Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Welcome to the first Weekly Insight Podcast of 2023. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I appreciate you joining me this morning. Before we jump off, I do just want to remind you what we say every week, which is that what you're about to hear today should not be considered individual investment advice. Instead, take this information, go talk to your financial advisor. This is really what we're thinking about the markets. And if you'd like to talk to us about how it might affect your individual portfolio, we would certainly be happy to have that conversation. So with that, let's take a dive in. Got to tell you, this is the podcast every year. I hate it. I hate doing it. I hate it because it always seems to be like there is this expectation that there are going to be some sort of great revelations at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year about what's going to happen. And I wrote our New Year memo a year ago. I said something to the effect of, that it's very tempting to write the, you know, the quote unquote crystal ball memo, laying out what 2023 is going to be. And problem is somebody broke a crystal ball. We didn't get one. (laughs) Frankly, we never had one. We cannot see the future. And so instead, what I have long talked about on these podcasts and the weekly insight memo is that if no one can predict the future, then instead what we need to do is the boring thing. And the boring thing is to go out and find and understand the big things that are moving the market. The things that I said in that end of year memo last year that we can quote, use that information to craft and manage a resilient portfolio that can withstand the times when we are wrong. And we certainly weren't right on everything last year. I wasn't right on everything last year. You know, this podcast became the weekly Fed podcast and I, If you would have asked me back in April how long the Fed's influence in the market was going to last, I probably would not have said all the way until now. But that's what happens in the market. We can't expect people to be able to predict the future. If they could, none of you would be talking to me and that person would manage all the money in the world because it would be much, much easier. But on the big trends last year, we were were largely correct. And we talked about COVID. Do you guys remember Omicron last January? People really like to forget about it. But Omicron last January had a very big impact on the stock market and on the world economy. We talked about inflation. We talked about interest rates. We talked about those being our biggest concerns leading into the year. Now, the one that no one had on their bingo card was the Russian invasion of Ukraine. That was the one big catalyst that we missed last year. But I would say that our more defensive posture in portfolios in 2022 even with the Ukraine thing happening, and frankly, our overweight to energy, led to results that, while not ideal, were much better than the returns found across public markets. So with that concept in mind, with that philosophy in mind of understanding the big trends and knowing that you're going to miss some of the smaller movements, let's go back and let's look at 2023 from a big trend perspective. And I think there are three that we need to be paying attention to right now. The first one, ah, you're not going to like to hear this from me because it is so old. I'm so sick of it. But we are starting the year with a dramatic visit from an old friend of ours, Mr. COVID. Three years into this story, we're all ready to be done with it. I know we are. I know you are. 
And largely the United States, the Western world is, but just as the Omicron wave of the virus hit us in early 2022 and had a significant impact on the economy, we have to prepare ourselves for the impact that the current outbreak in China is going to have. Now, China is living with the decisions made by Chairman Xi and the political class over the last few years. They made a decision, and their decision was to exclude Western vaccines from the country and rely on what was notably a subpar domestic version of the vaccine. And then they backed that up with their quote-unquote COVID-0 strategy. And COVID-0 essentially said, if there is any cases of COVID in this community, we're going to lock the whole community down and not let anybody out until it's gone. And it worked. I mean, it largely worked, but it really slowed their economy. And how much do people like being told that they have to go lock themselves in their home and wait until someone gives them permission to leave? That is not a normal human function. And so after much public pressure, COVID-0 is now gone. The political pressure was getting just a little too rough for Xi, and they made the decision to end COVID-0. So they ended COVID-0. They don't have particularly good vaccines. And now what they're experiencing is what we experienced with Omicron in 2021 and 2022. They're going through the same thing. But the problem with China, the problem with China is one of honesty. It is very clear to everyone in the world that they are going through a difficult time right now. Hospitals are packed with COVID patients. There's a group called Airfinity, which is a health risk analysis firm, and they said last week that their estimates are that China is experiencing 9,000 daily deaths and 1.8 million new infections per day in the country. And they estimate that China will see 1.7 million fatalities from the virus by the end of April. What does the Chinese government say about that? According to the Chinese government, last Friday, they had 5,500 new cases and one death from COVID. Everyone knows they're lying. Everyone does. But the big question is what this level of infection is going to do in the world's second largest economy. Are we going to see supply side issues like we saw in 2020? Will the rate of infection slow down consumer purchases in China? All of those are important questions. But I think the other one that needs to be weighed here is will the end of COVID zero, which had such a dramatic effect of slowing down the Chinese economy, will by ending COVID zero, despite the fact that they have horrible infections and horrible death, will it actually be accretive to China's economy? I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying that they may have made the decision to finally just move on. And by moving on, people are going to suffer, but it may allow their economy to begin to get back on track. This is going to be a big one to watch. As they go through this over the next few months, it's also going to be a big one to watch to make sure it doesn't come back and bite us here in the States and elsewhere in the Western world with the new strain of COVID. The next big trend, the one we're all hoping for, which is the end of big rate hikes. Much like 2022, I do believe that the first half of 2023 is going to be dominated by discussion of Federal Reserve policy. It's still here. How high will rates eventually go? How long until the Fed starts pulling back? Will their aggressive rate hikes in 22 end up in a recession in 2023? All of those things are going to be really important to the discussion this year. As I noted before, predicting rate hike moves is an exercise that's fraught with risk. The Federal Reserve can't predict what they're going to do. We talked about this before, but last December, they predicted that in all of 2022, they would raise rates by 75 basis points, the highest that 
any member of the FOMC thought federal funds rates would go was 3.125%. That was a single member, and they thought that was going to happen in 2024. Today, at the end of 2022, last week, we were at 4.375% in 2022. Talk about a big miss. So if the Fed can't predict rates, I'm not going to sit here and try to predict rates. I'm clearly not that smart. But I think we can understand a few things that are important. Number one, inflation is unquestionably improving. CPI has now returned at the at the latest report in December is back to where we were in the January report. I believe the total number came in at 7.11% inflation and it was 7.04% last January. So we went from 7.04 up to 9.2 back to 7.11. So we have gotten ourselves past the peak of inflation and we are clearly on the downward trend. That's great news. The second is that we know that federal funds rates are not going to go up infinitely. We are now much closer to the peak in rates than we were last January when rates were at zero. The debate today is much more around the margins of how high Fed rates will go, but it's not it's not about are we going to go from zero to 7.75 or zero to 4.375. The market consensus today is that rates will peak somewhere between five and five and a half percent. And that peak will be reached in the May or the June Federal Reserve meetings. To put that into perspective, that would likely mean three more 25 basis point rate hikes or one 50 basis point rate hike and two 25s. The debate here today is not about whether or not rates are going to six and a half or seven or 8%. That is not the debate we're having. Instead, the debate is, are we going to get a 50 in February or a 25? Are we going to get 75 basis points between now and June or 100 basis points? But this is all around the margins. Barring dramatic changes in inflation, the era of 75 basis point rate hikes and growing rates by nearly 4.5% in a single year, that era is over. And that is a really good thing for markets. The next big trend we need to focus on is the conversation of a recession. And more importantly, it's possible that there will be one, and I can't predict that, just like I can't predict Fed rates. But I do think that one of the things we can look at and look at knowledgeably is to say that while there may be some recessionary component coming from what the Federal Reserve has done, what we know comfortably right now is that there are no analysts that are predicting a recession in earnings for 2023. And to understand that, I think we need to look back a little bit as well. Because we talked about this in 2021, about 2022 earnings. Let's look at what happened there. Because the expectation at the end of last year was that earnings would come in at about 223.48 for the S&P 500 going into this year. Now, we don't know the full Q4 numbers yet. We won't know them for a little while. But the current projection, when you include what we know for Q1, 2, and 3 in the projection for Q4, is that earnings for the entire year will be closer to 221. That would be a miss of just over 1% from the projection the analysts made at the end of last year. But that also means something important to understand. Even with significant inflation, frankly, generationally significant inflation, the highest we've seen since the 1970s, even with Fed policy that set records, even with a war in Eastern Europe, even with the Omicron wave and a stock and a bond market that performed as badly as any as we have seen in the last 14 years, even with all of that stuff 
That means if that 220 number is correct or 221, earnings will be up just shy of 6% for 2022. So what does that mean for earnings for next year? With all the recession talk, surely analysts are predicting a dip in earnings next year, right? No. Actually, the current estimate is that earnings will grow by an additional 4.85% next or this year in 2023. I think the most interesting part about that statistic, though, it's very important to understand, is the past. Because do you remember the years, twenty? let's use 2012 to 2017, were those good years in the stock market? Yeah, they were. We were having a heck of a run, right? Everybody was pretty happy with what was going on in the world. But what was earnings growth during that time period? During that time period, earnings growth was 5.34% annually. If you take what we know happened in 2022 with the 4.85% prediction for 2023, you know what the average is? 5.39%. Almost exactly where we were from 2012 to 2017. So simply put, the world isn't ending, guys. We may see a recession this year because of the Fed policy. If we do, it's going to be a bump, but it's not going to be a horrible hit. But the market has already priced in a lot of that pain. If we can see moderating inflation, the end of rate hikes, and 4.85% earnings growth, would we expect that to be a good year? Heck yeah, we would. I think that would be a fantastic year in the markets. And for once and for all, we might have a little bit of fun again, because 2022 wasn't a whole heck of a lot of fun. So we'll leave it there this week. We're excited to charge into 2023 with you this year. Certainly stand at your beck and call if you have any questions. Give us a call here at the office at 515-273-1333 or visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a great year. Looking forward to this one. So we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment advisory services offered through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.